0: Welcome to Fit Chicks Chat brought to you by Fit Chicks Academy, where we are dedicated to teaching you all about fitness, nutrition, and wellness, as well as how to build an incredibly successful business using our proven techniques and systems designed to get you certified, confident, successful, and get you results for yourself, your business, as well as your clients. Now, if you've ever wondered, how can I be successful as a coach? Where do I find my first client? How do I even build a business? Where do I begin? I want you to make sure to listen to the end of each episode so that you can hear inspiring stories from our graduates of the FitChicks Academy and hear how they signed their first clients, how they built their business of their dreams, and paid back their tuition just weeks after graduating, and how all of this is possible for you too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to FitChicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, I actually have Dr. Peter Kozlowski joining me. He is a functional doctor, as well as an author of a new book called Unfunk Your Gut. Hi, Peter. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, no, thank you so much for joining me. Um, As we were just talking offline, I'm really excited to have you here because I think your book itself, and we will talk about your book in a moment, but um, talking about gut health, talking about natural health and resources, I think is a really important thing. And I think it's becoming more of a hot topic now more so than ever before in um, people are recognizing that this is a really important piece and a really important element to their health um would you mind sharing a little bit more though before we even get started on talking about gut health and different diets telling a little bit more about what it means to be a functional doctor as opposed to you know a traditional doctor because i think there's a bit of confusion there
1: yeah. It, well, it basically kind of makes you a black sheep of like the uh, ostracized from the regular medical community. Um, I trained as a family practice doctor. So I went through like med school and residency and and learned a very traditional approach. Mm-hmm. And then I had my own life stuff happen that I can get into if you want, that made me think outside the box. And okay. That's how I would describe functional medicine. It's thinking outside the box. Um, instead of when patients come in, I mean, I was trained to, when, when a patient comes in, I listen to their symptoms and then I think of what pill to give them so they feel better. Right. Pill, what, injection, whatever, and anything that will make you feel better. Mm-hmm. In functional medicine, I was trained to listen to someone and then together with them try to figure out why they got sick right and in doing that we can then help them get healthy so it is called like individualized medicine personalized medicine but it's listening to someone's story and figuring out what contributed to their illness and it's the traditional medicine's kind of obsessed with like one cause, right? We're always looking for the one thing that causes diabetes or the one thing that causes cancer, right? That right. that's not my experience at all. the The best analogy, and I, I give it in the book, is um, we're all born with a bucket. And we fill that bucket with toxins, bad food, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, uh, tobacco, alcohol, uh, prescription meds, antibiotics. And um, eventually that bucket overflows into disease. So functional medicine, we are emptying your bucket. Um, And there's five main areas that we look and it's food, gut health, hormone imbalances, toxins, and mental, emotional, spiritual health. Those are kind of the five main areas where we look. So I work with everything from like, uh, I work quite a bit with autistic, uh, families of autistic children up until adults, um, Of all ages, with everything from autoimmune disease to gut issues to uh, migraines to uh, dementia, um, just about anything.
0: I love that though. And I think, you know, so really what you're saying is traditional medicine is really about kind of this, what I personally have found in my own personal experience too, is I always see it as like a little bit of more of like a bandaid approach. It's like, well, this is the problem. Here's the quick fix solution. It's not going to necessarily solve the problem. So it might come back again. Oftentimes does. Um, Whereas functional medicine, it's really about going to the root cause and saying, okay, how can we heal from that point and then build from there?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's great. Now, when I know you just mentioned, you know, out of those five elements that you look at, you know, yeah. one of the ones that you said is sort of that the mental, emotional, spiritual aspect, would you mind sharing yeah. with our listeners a little bit more about the connection to that and how that's so important? Because I do think that some people maybe don't realize just how important the emotional sort of mental, spiritual side is to their overall health.
1: So spoiler spoiler alert from my book, but That's what my book's all about. Um, And so I enjoy talking about it um, because I do think that it's the number one thing that's missed, right? Like, especially for people that are getting their health information from online or blogs or social media or whatever, there's extreme focus on diets and exercise and toxins. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is missing and that's our mental, emotional, spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And I learned that, my own story so i'm in recovery from addiction with alcohol Mm -hmm. and when i was a resident um i i left residency for six weeks to like an inpatient treatment program and was treated um for my issues and and that's what taught me about mental emotional spiritual health but also um what led me to be open-minded to when I was presented with functional medicine. I think if I didn't go through recovery and working on myself, like I went into treatment, not thinking I had a problem, thinking I was perfect. Um, I was very like egotistical, like not not the kind of person I really wanted to be, but um, that experience changed me and that, uh, that allowed me to be open to functional medicine. Um, so, mental, emotional, spiritual health. The reason it's the key is because it's the key to your gut health. And I'll I'll explain it. The gut has its own nervous system called the enteric nervous system. So when I say gut, I mean the tube that starts with the mouth and ends with the anus. Mm -hmm. Mouth, esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine. Those are the main parts of the tube. That tube is surrounded by a nervous system. Called the enteric nervous system, over two hundred million neurons in that nervous system, more than in your brain. Mm-hmm. Well, that nervous system is connected to your brain by your vagus nerve. So you've got this all these different cranial nerves, twelve of them, and they all have different functions. And number um, the vagus nerve runs from the brain to the gut, also to the heart and lungs, and then back up from those organs to the brain. So it's a it's a two way uh, street for information. Your vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which is your automatic nervous system. So it, you, it's, it's in your subconscious. You're, you're not aware thinking about your autonomic nervous system. Well, the autonomic nervous system can be in either two responses. It could be in sympathetic response, which is fight or flight, or it could be in parasympathetic response, which is rest and digest. And the analogy now um, I'm from Chicago, but I moved to Bozeman last year, Montana. So I live in Montana now. And the analogy I really like is like when I'm out hiking in the mountains and there's a grizzly bear or mountain goat, bobcat, whatever you, your sympathetic nervous system should be activated. The blood goes to your muscles and your brain. So you figure out how to escape. Mm -hmm when you're sitting by the campfire at the end of the night having your favorite meal your parasympathetic system is activated rest and digest so you're sitting by the campfire relaxed you're sending signals to your gut that's saying hey make stomach acid hey release pancreatic enzymes hey probiotics you should flourish um and so that's a great environment well in our society um People are living as if they're running from a bear 24 seven. And so we're living in that sympathetic response from the moment we get up to the moment we get, go to sleep, most of us. And I'm guilty of this too, but the first thing that I do when I get up is check my phone, which is emails, texts, phone calls, um, work, uh, the news and, Right away that sympathetic nervous system is activated. Well, that's sending all these signals to my gut that like, hey, we're not gonna be digesting today, right? The the today we, we need to save ourselves, we need to run away, we need to survive. Mm-hmm that's not good on a, on a, like a Monday morning, uh, first thing in the morning. Right. It, it's good right. if you're in the mountains and you need to save your life, but
0: <laughs> and you have to worry about the bear, like the one behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: That's Wilson. Um, so yeah. So, and then like, you know, you have breakfast and you, you turn on the news or you're responding to emails or whatever. And like, you're not, you're never, you're not activating your parasympathetic response. Mm-hmm. And so sympathetic response is control i mean to some degree it's not really it's it's in your subconscious but it it's activated when your conscious is agitated right <laughs> and and so we're stressed out all the time always on the go got to respond to everything right away well and that shuts down your gut okay and when the gut is shut down everything else goes wrong and That, you know, the, the stuff like that people are familiar, like when patients come in to see me, they expect me to put them on like a strict diet, put them on supplements, order testing. And when I talk about like mental, emotional, spiritual health, they don't want to hear it. Most of them, they, they're like,
0: they probably think it's not going to help.
1: Yeah. And it's not an issue.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. They don't realize the connection, and which is why I really wanted to talk about that piece because I think a lot of people feel that same way.
1: I mean, and and I mean, I lived in denial for a very long time, so I think when you have experienced something, you can see it and relate to it. So I can see denial in people. And I mean, I understand why, like, it sucks, like going to treatment for six weeks, and then like having to work on my mental health every day for the rest of my life uh, is not easy. Like, it's a lot easier to just take a pill or have a drink and not think Mm -hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's painful like uh, um, you know it could be addressing uh, issues with relationships that someone's actively in re- relationships issues that happen in the past for the majority of us I think it starts when we're kids um, as trauma mm-hmm. and my definition of trauma is not like someone exposed to violence or something like that I mean that's trauma too but the best definition I've heard of trauma is trauma is anything less than nurturing. And most people have experienced that at some point and it affects us differently. And, but if that starts as an early age and the, the simple example is just like a kid that comes home from school and wants to talk to their parents about their homework or what they did that day, but uh, dad's cooking or mom's working or whatever, and they're not paying attention. And so that, that starts a signal of like, I'm not good enough. And that shuts down your gut. And then when your gut shut down, you don't digest your food, your microbiome dies. And you, I mean, the, the symptoms like the systemic symptoms or the gut symptoms might not present for five years, 10 years, 40 years, 60 years down the road, but it, it frequently starts there. Um, and it, and it's hard to figure out. That's another problem is like, I, I experienced trauma, but like when you hear my story, it doesn't really sound like trauma. So to me, trauma was, um, I'm a first generation American. My parents immigrated from Poland before I was born and I grew up in very American neighborhoods, but, my whole childhood i was always obsessed with like fitting in like with always right. wanting to fit in and even though i did fit in i had lots of friends and all of that i never felt like i did and um that was trauma for me like i just never felt good enough and and the way that i masked that at, at a very early age was alcohol um so when i went into treatment they're like you have trauma i was like like come on like people there's people out there with real trauma i don't not me but it doesn't matter like to me like my mind created it it affected my body and it it was very real Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean that that makes it more difficult too and that's where like every patient that i've ever met i've recommended to get a a therapist um in in mental health um because (laughs) They help you peel back the layers of the onion, right? They help you things that I would have I would have never like thought were an issue. They help me figure that out. So, yeah, the the that I mean, like I said, I think that there's just not enough written, or it's not um, maybe that sometimes the books that are that were out there were a little too scientific, and it. I mean, I always like to keep things. I mean, I definitely have a lot of science in my book, but I also like to keep things simple. And another fault of mine is I'm a perfectionist. And so I just saw it in my patients. Like I would never focus on the people that were getting better. I would focus on the people that weren't getting better. And I think over over and over, I just saw that I could see their mental emotional spiritual health being out of whack and then it doesn't matter what supplements what tests what diet what exercise you do you're you won't heal
0: right no and that's so fascinating thank you for sharing all that because i think you know, understanding how and why is so important. But then I guess, you know, I have a couple of questions that come from that. You know, when you were talking about going into your sympathetic system versus your parasympathetic, and when you... Are you able to throughout the day, because I know I'm, I'm somebody who I actually went to see a naturopathic doctor about the same exact scenario where I was always in the fight or flight scenario and Mm -hmm. my body was reacting in certain ways. Um, and I had to slow down my workouts. I had to switch gears completely on a lot of different things. And I'm curious to know, um, you know, some ideas that you have, which we'll share in a moment, but are you able to switch gears? So if you wake up in the morning and, you know, you start your day off by reading your phone and doing all Mm -hmm. of those things, and you go into the sympathetic system, is there a way, or is it possible for your body to then switch gears and go into your parasympathetic throughout the day? And what are some ways that people can do that? Because I do think that a lot of people don't even know how to get out of that state.
1: Yeah. You, it can change all day long. So, um, and it's, it is in your control. I mean, it's not in your control, what happens to you, but it's in your control of how you respond to it. Right. And so if I rec, I mean, it's just, it really starts like with recovery with just identifying the problem. Right. So I have to become aware that like, Hey, like that that round of emails really stress me out or like, hey, what's going on in the world right now is making me nuts. Mm-hmm. And so I have to start by identifying it because if I don't, then it'll just keep going, right? And and that's not e- easy. I mean, it just takes kind of like mm-hmm. practice. Um, I One of the things that I recommend for people is like, if you're not sure if it's an issue for you, Try sitting in silence for twenty minutes, right, and see what happens. To see the right? thoughts that come up.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. um, belly breathing is a great way. There's an amazing tool called heart rate variability that is basically like training your vagus nerve. So, but it uses breathing. So, using breathing and monitoring your heart rate, you can see yourself kind of basically going from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Oh cool. Um meditation mm-hmm. is a big one. Um for me personally, like exercise definitely. Um I've definitely worked with a lot of patients that take it too far to where it becomes more of a harm than a than a positive thing. Um but for me it's definitely a, a big thing that kind of helps balance me. Um so those are some of the big things that work for me. Um There's the good thing about like mental, emotional, spiritual health is there's so many different things you can do. Um, And it's just kind of finding what works for you. And right. it, it's like, just because I, I may like my therapist, you might not get along with them or I like to exercise and play basketball and that might not be your thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's finding that balance and like trial and error of like, okay, this helped me, this didn't, et cetera.
0: Now, would you say, cause I know, as I mentioned, like I had to switch gears quite a bit um, based on recommendations from my naturopathic doctor because I was, we actually did a stress test and when it when we did it, we recognized that she just did a simple test of like, Laying down to standing up, to mm-hmm. see my elevation of heart rate, and I was like three X what a normal person should be at. And she was like, "We're in like a really high state of stress, so we really need to figure this piece out." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and so we ended up scaling back my workouts from i was running like 10k like four times a week i was mm-hmm. doing a lot of hit training and stuff like mm-hmm. that and we we changed it completely to just going into yoga um doing more walking and things like that do you recommend that to a lot of your clients as well when you kind of look at because i know exercise is definitely my outlet that i use for stress and for managing my emotion my emotional mental health Is that something that you also recommend to your clients is to really look at what you're doing and seeing, is there something different you can do to kind of shift gears? Because that might just be adding to your stress levels.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had people told people to stop exercising and just walk. Right. And that like for somebody that like is running 10K four times a week or whatever, that's like. That's traumatic. Like It was
0: really I, hard. Yeah, it yeah. was a really hard, it was a really challenging shift. But then it's interesting how what seems like your normal or like it's something you feel like you have to do or that's just a part of your day. Once you switch after a little while, that just becomes your new normal, right? And it's, right. it was, it just, it takes practice just like anything else. It just takes time and practice. Absolutely. Um, now, when you say like, when you're looking at your clients coming in and working with you, Are there certain symptoms that you see, um, like physically, that you can see in a lot of clients that kind of show you that they might be in that sort of state and how you can kind of help them?
1: Um, The majority of people that are coming to me um, have chronic uh, disease. And so Mm -hmm. that could be diabetes that could be high blood pressure that could be eczema that could be migraines depression anxiety joint pain neuropathy numbness tingling um bloating abdominal pain gas constipation um so there's not pretty much everything (laughs) yeah yeah and it and usually it's more than one and so there's not i guess really one specific thing um that I can definitely symptom wise. I mean, sometimes when somebody is on an like, like overly, overly restrictive diet, like they're only eating like six things. Right. That to me says that they're in the sympathetic response. Like that, that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, a lot of times with, with the way that I, just from meeting someone, I mean, I I, I feel like you can kind of feel their affect. Um, and then just maybe how overly intensely that they, uh, are focused on something to me points like, okay, this is probably a high cortisol response. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. I mean, someone that comes in to see me fills out like almost, I think, 40 pages of paperwork before their visit. That's their full medical history and all of that. And so I look through all that, and it includes stress and trauma and childhood exercise, what they're, what someone's doing for their mental health. So I have kind of an idea when somebody's coming in based on their responses. And actually, the, this is kind of funny, but one of the questions on my questionnaire is, do you have an excess amount of stress in your life? And it's either yes or no. And the 90% of the time when somebody says no, I know that they're, they've got too much. <laughs> yes, they're just, they're, like that they're sometimes
0: not even aware. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the The more they say no, I'm good, everything's fine. Like that's the worse off they usually are. Right. Um, whereas people that answer like, yes, I have too much stress. Yes, I've had trauma. Yes, I'm in therapy. I'm doing meditation. Uh, you know, I'm exercising. Those are the people that I don't worry about. Like I'm like, well, you're already on that path
0: right so you don't have to you don't have to worry as much no
1: yeah it's not going to be a struggle trying to convince them that they need to work on it
0: well that's actually really interesting because i know even at pitchx academy we talk to our students a lot about this and looking at the clients that they should be working with and who's you know kind of like matching your personality to um, Mm. like your archetype kind of thing and We talk about this because we say, you know, if you're the type of person we call a triple threat coach in our academy, if you're if you're doing that and you believe in that so strongly, you really have to work with other people that are open to change, because if not, Mm. it's literally going to be just like like banging heads all the way through. Right. And it's never going to work. You have to have people that are open minded and willing. They can't just be set in their ways because it'll end up causing a lot more like stress and headache in your business than not
1: yeah absolutely
0: now i'm um, going back to sort of those five the five common um elements Areas. that you look at yeah. it, would you going back to the food aspect and just talking about diet for a minute you know some of the most I guess, like hot topic things out in our industry right now, especially in the fitness and nutrition industry is people talking about intermittent fasting. Would you Mm -hmm. mind sharing your thoughts around intermittent fasting um, towards like gut health and then also just overall health, if there's any benefits to it in your opinion?
1: Yeah, so today is actually a fasting day for me. Okay. Um, So I'm pro fasting, Mm -hmm. um, which it took me a few years to turn around on it. Um, and there, there's a couple of reasons why is it seems like the majority of people that do it is they're doing it for weight loss. Correct. And, and then the majority, and that's of how it's marketed.
0: Are,
1: yes. And yeah, exactly. And the majority of people that I met or that I even recommended when we talked about it was to do 16 hours, you know, three times a week, four times a week, or we kind of always said 16 hours. Mm mm-hmm. And then in going back, and like, I never really saw results. I was just like, there's no point in doing this because I don't really see anybody losing weight, feeling better, like it's not really going anywhere. And then like digging into more research on it. um, And I know there's so many different opinions on it. So this is mine. But Mm -hmm. um, what I found, what I changed to is 24 to 36 hours, two to three times a week. Okay. And so that's what I do. Mondays and Fridays, I do 24 hours. So I eat on Sunday dinner and then Monday dinner. We had dinner last night. I won't eat again until uh, this afternoon. And the reason why is the whole point of uh, fasting is to activate gluconeogenesis, which is basically st- if you're not taking in energy, your body still needs energy. So your, your liver starts breaking down stored fat and sugars to turn it into energy. Mm-hmm. So your liver is taking what's stored in your body and, and making it into the energy that normally it would be making from food. And that process doesn't really ramp up until like hour number 20. So that's why I think my, my previous recommendations or what I saw with 16 hour fast was like very low yield, not a lot of benefits. Right. Whereas I've seen really good benefits for people that could stick with 24 to 36 hours. And it, I avoided it. Like I, I, I love to eat. So when, <laughs> when someone was like, or when I learned about it, I was like, I'm not doing that. Like no that sounds way.
0: terrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No chance. I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't do that. And a me and my wife do it together and we kind of like trained our way up into it. So like we did 16 hours for a couple of weeks and then we tried 24, then we tried 36. Um, and it's gotten easier. I mean, we've been doing it for over a year now. Um, I mean, we're not perfect. It's hard sometimes when you're traveling or other things going on, but we've been mm-hmm. overall very consistent with it. Um, and we, we really started, I mean, for both of us, it was for our hormones. Okay. Um, so fasting is really good on your hormones. Um, for men with testosterone and growth hormone, um, and just with the, the amount of toxins in our food that could be toxic to your hormones, it's like a nice break. Um, so that that's the main reason that we do it, um, not for weight loss. It. It's also I've found like it's pretty good for my mental, emotional, spiritual health when I'm done. Like when I get to my meal, I am like proud of like, all right, I made it like it's an accomplishment that day. Um, When we first started doing it, we found that. Uh, we were getting in more fights on Mondays and Fridays. And so like, <laughs> we were getting that hangry reaction.
0: Right. So
1: we kind of like have a rule to not get into stuff on Mondays or Fridays. Until
0: we... <laughs> no talking on Mondays or Fridays. <laughs> we
1: talk, but <which> just not. <laughs> um, so that, and then for gut health, I mean, the, our digestive tracts are so messed up. And they're mostly messed up by what we're putting into them, whether it's the food, the stress, the toxins, the antibiotics, like all of that stuff is destroying our guts. And so taking a break from eating shuts down your gut and your gut could basically like rest and sleep and relax. Right. And the, the most common condition I treat is something called SIBO and, uh, SIBO is an overgrowth of bacteria in your small intestine and your gut bacteria. So the the big thing we talk about with your gut is you have, we all have three to five pounds of bacteria growing in your large intestine. That bacteria can be good, which is like probiotics or that bacteria can be bad, which is dysbiosis, candida, bacteria, parasites. Um, or that bacteria can grow in the wrong place, which is what SIBO is. It overgrows your small intestine. Well, our gut bacteria are alive. So they need to eat to survive and they eat fibers and sugars. So if, but if you don't, I mean, in our standard American diet, um, the sad diet, we don't eat a lot of fiber, right? And so we starve our bacteria, but then if SIBO overgrows, feeding that bacteria. And that's where we use like a low FODMAP diet, but fasting in that case, also, if you're fasting, you're not feeding those bad bacteria and that helps the healing process. So there's definitely some benefits to fasting when it comes to gut health too.
0: Right. No. And that's, I mean, that's so important. And I love that you did the distinction between gut health and healing your body versus just weight loss because i do think like i said the way it's marketed right now in um the fitness industry and the health industry is you know intermittent fasting is all the rage right now it's it's keto and intermittent fasting are like the two things that everybody talks about for weight loss but really these things like keto as well as intermittent fasting they were actually developed for different reasons yeah right and so if weight loss happens it's kind of like a byproduct but it shouldn't necessarily be the focus of it yeah now what do you also think about elimination diets because again something that's sort of a hot topic um do you recommend elimination diets to your clients especially when they first come to you to kind of figure out because i know that that's a huge recommendation that usually comes from any naturopathic doctor i've seen right
1: um, So I just want to make a brief comment on keto. My favorite keto story that I heard is um, I said, I, I play basketball, like pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. And one day one of the guys found out like what I did for a living. And he was he was telling me about it. he's like, I you know, I tried keto for weight loss. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. How did it go? And he said, well, it was great, except I had to eat three Big Macs without the bun just to feel full.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the funny, like, I love that you just said that because it's so true. It's like Atkins when that was all the rage and people would be like, I eat a pound of bacon every day. I feel great. (laughs) And I'm like, but... (laughs) <laughs> but right. what about the health benefits of it? Right. Yeah. And I know that that's, at least that's my initial thought. As soon as you said, these three big Macs, it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> just because it's not carbohydrates doesn't mean it's good for you. Right. I think that's where we get the, the confusion
1: in the industry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, the, the first thing that I, I I am on the same path as, uh, naturopaths or whoever that you've talked to or spoken to. Um, I'm very pro elimination diet. Um, I'm on day six of an elimination diet today. Um, the, I usually do one, uh, once a year usually. Um, and so the cool thing also about fasting is that you can, incorporate any incorporated it into any diet that you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can still have my fasting days on my elimination diet. Right. But the whole point of an elimination diet, because a lot of people also are using it for weight loss and that that's not the point of it. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, the whole 30 was like, is like a very, or was a very trendy thing. Um, Sure. The main problem with that is you're you're missing the whole point of the elimination diet, which the whole point of it is to diagnose food sensitivities. Right. And when your body reacts to food, there's three kind of main reactions. You could be allergic to food, you can have celiac disease, which is a gluten-specific response, or you could be sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, always say that allergies and celiac are e- really easy to work with because there's good lab testing. So if we're curious, if you're allergic to something, we send you to the lab, you get your blood drawn and we get an answer. Um, same thing with celiac, they can blood test, they can biopsy, they get a reliable result. And then the other, even more important thing is that those reactions happen pretty much right after you eat the food. So someone that's allergic to peanuts doesn't like not know that they're allergic to peanuts, right? <laughs> Definitely. Um, sensitivity. And then the, the third thing, I guess, about those is the regular medical community believes in them. So you can go to your regular doctor and they, they'll they agree with you. Hey, let's check if you have celiac or allergies, but if you bring up sensitivities, unless they've had some kind of alternative training, it's, it's not happening. And So that's a problem with sensitivities. Another problem is, is that there is not reliable testing for sensitivities. And this is another one where there's a lot of opinions in my field. Um, A lot of practitioners in my field order a lot of food panels, IgG food panels. Um, Basically, it's a different immune response when you react to have these different reactions. So allergies are IgE, celiac is IgA and sensitivities are IgG. So you can test IgG antibodies, but it's extremely, uh, it's basically just a marker of what you've been eating for the last three months. So somebody that goes in and gets a, and a lot of people have done these and the majority of them will tell you like, yeah, it was basically what I've been eating for the last few months. So a, a food sensitivity test is actually your best test for leaky gut. So if you do one of those and and it shows up with a bunch of foods that you're eating, you have leaky gut. Best test for leaky gut, in my opinion. The best test for sensitivities is an elimination diet. It is 21 days of cutting out the biggest offending foods and then adding them back in one by one using a tracking journal. And so we give all that in my book. We give the tracking journal. There's over 50 recipes. Um, and But the whole point of it is like, I I just like to explain the science behind it because it's not just like a made up number, like 21 days or 30 days or whatever. It's based on (laughs) half-lives. So everything in your body has a half-life, everything that you make or ingest. So your hormones have a half-life lead and mercury and mold toxins have a half-life. Pharmaceuticals have a half-life street drugs have a half-life. That's why some meds are taken four times a day. Some are taken once a month. The half-life of IgG antibodies is about 21 days. So, let's say I had a bagel for breakfast today and, and I react and I was, I'm sensitive to gluten and my body creates an immune uh, complex against gluten with IgG antibodies. Let's say there's a hundred of those right now. If I don't eat any gluten for the next 21 days, my immune response cuts in half to 50. Okay. When I eat it again on day 22, the immune system will remember like, Hey, our immune system has have very good memories, and we'll say, "Hey, dairy protein, get out of here!" Like an attack. <laughs> right. And you might go into an elimination diet because of like bloating or eczema or migraines, uh, autoimmune conditions. We're not necessarily looking for the symptoms that you're experiencing. So just because you went into it with migraines, if you reintroduce dairy and you get like breakout in a rash or acne, like that's still a problem. It still could be causing your migraines um, or contributing to them. So you you introduce one new food every two days. And the main foods that we cut out, and this is all listed in there is gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs, sugar, shellfish, beef, pork, alcohol, coffee, um, processed meats. Those are the main ones that we cut out. Right. And you can do different ones. You can add more things into that if doing all of that is overwhelming, sometimes we just have people cut out gluten. If we're um, with children with ADHD or um, neurologic stuff or autism, um, gluten, dairy, soy would be the top three to try in in like kids, but you kind of just have to do because um, I'm such a believer in mental health. um, A lot of patients think I'm nuts because I'm, I tell them like, I'd rather have you eating fast food than like trying to follow the perfect elim- elimination diet. If it's like stressing you out, like right. if it's creating extreme anxiety and pressure, like, oh my God, I can only eat one spear of asparagus with this meal. Cause I have SIBO <laughs> that's going to do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to decide where you're at and, and that's okay. Like where you're at today could be different than where you are six months or mm-hmm. a year from now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I,
0: I love that. I love that advice. Cause I do, I agree. I think it's, you know, again, we talk about this in our Academy where we talk about diet plans, meal plans. We also talk about working out and we talk about like, find the things that work for you. Cause if it's not working for you, you can't, and you also can't do it long-term. Right. Yeah. So even though an elimination diet is not long-term necessarily, but there may be some things that have to be long-term. Exactly. That you'll find out. So, if it's gonna if it's gonna cause more stress than good in your life, it's really not worth. The no. benefit will not outweigh the stress. Event like, even yeah. though it may in some cases, like some medical cases, but most of the times, more often than not, it won't actually outweigh the other.
1: The condition uh, that I've found the worst, um, that patients struggle with the most, is like a candida overgrowth of your gut. Mm-hmm. Candida is a yeast that can overgrow your gut. And I don't know what it is, but there's just been a lot of information put out there on the internet that the only way to heal from a candida diet or from candida is following like an anti-candida diet. Mm -hmm. And usually people that come in convinced of that are candida's favorite conditions are sugar and a suppressed immune system. What creates that environment more than anything is cortisol. Right. So if you're so stressed out and you're, but you're eating this perfect Candida diet, it, it's, it's just, it doesn't work. And, but I I don't know what it is, but that's the one that I've seen over and over, over the years where people come in so focused on that. So I think there's a lot of information out there that states that, but it's fine. Like a candidate can be great and it could be helpful if you have it and you don't like have an issue with the diet. Like it, it, you can still kind of live your life. But if it's, if you're just like kind of obsessing over, it's got to be perfect that it doesn't end well. Um,
0: No. And I think I agree. I think there's a lot of information out there about that. There's also a lot of cleanses and stuff, which leads me to my, my last question. Um, I, I, this is totally just in, In part of that. What are your feelings and your thoughts around cleanses? Because there are so many cleanses in the marketplace of, you know, and it's different from an elimination diet. The cleanses are really about like, take this thing or drink this tea or do this thing. And I know my opinion on it, but I'm really curious to know your professional opinion, especially being that this is like, this is totally your realm. So do you feel like, do you feel like cleanses and detoxes are... Um, true to what they say, true to form or no.
1: So this is where um, most of my patients like me for this. Hopefully some of your lister- listeners do, but <laughs> I, I just always go with honesty. And yes. so my honest opinion is I hate cleanses. Um, I, I think that they're mostly just a way that the people are selling them are making extra profit. Right. Um, it's an easy way to sell things and make money. Um, that's something I've never done in my practice. Um, and it's because, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but my my first reason is that we're, we're all individuals, right? We're all different. So why would like this one cleanse be the magic cure for all of us? Like if it really was, it would, that would be the thing that everybody's really doing. And like, that would be, you know, there'd be be serious (laughs) evidence behind it, data behind it. And like, So we're all different. Um, My probably my biggest reason, though, is I'm very objective. And so I like to run lab tests. And that's one advantage I have than people that are promoting a cleanse on, on Instagram is that I can actually test your body for heavy metals. I can test your body for mold. I can test your body for glyphosate. So we can look at all these toxins and give you an objective number like, okay, this is your mercury level. This is your lead level. This is how much cesium, thallium, mycotoxins, acrotoxin, glyphosate, organophosphates. We can tell you how much is in there, right? Right. And why cleanse if you don't have any toxins there's lots of people that like come in and they're like i, I have serious toxin exposure untoxic," but we test them and it's not that so then we're looking for something else mm-hmm. um we all detoxify differently um right and so like a cloud one of the most common things i work with is mold and the classic thing with like mold is you can have five people living in a moldy house and only one of them is sick. Like I've only, I've worked with thousands of patients with mold now. And if 99.9% of the families, only one person in the house was sick. Hmm. So that just kind of shows we're all affected differently. right? Right. So, you know, I, I'm also like, I've learned that I can be wrong. So maybe there is a cleanse out there that, that is like just the magic cure for everybody. Um, It would be coming from a practitioner that's not making money off of it, most likely. Um, And so that, that's, I guess, because most of them are targeted towards like liver or detoxing and, mm-hmm. and uh, weight
0: loss.
1: Yeah. And, and it's sure. And weight loss. Um, but that's also like, it's like a, you know, weight loss, like doing anything that's like a 30 day, you know, this or that, like it can work, but then everything just comes back usually. So, Um, sorry if I offended anybody that, that is putting out cleanses, but I personally prefer to test your levels for toxins and then detox you because a lot of times also, I mean, a lot of that stuff is like liver support, right? If you've got a bunch of lead built up in your body liver support is not going to be enough to get it out. You're going to be detoxing for the rest of your life. Like we use medications to get that stuff out. Same with mold. There's very specific things that get mold out. So just boosting your liver or giving your liver nutrients is not going to detox you. You've got a real toxin problem, which a lot of people do.
0: It's so fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I feel mm-hmm. like I, I feel like I have like thousands of other questions I could ask you, <laughs> um, but I think I'm just going to have to buy your book. So can you do me a favor and let our listeners know a little bit more about your book and how they can find your book? Of course, for anyone listening to you, all of the links will be in our blog post at fitchicksacademy.com.
1: So my book is called Unfunk Your Gut. And it's funk with a C. Um, and it, the, the funk comes from functional medicine. Um, At my practice, we had a saying that that's, we said, we put the funk in functional medicine. Um, so that, that's where unfunking your gut. And I wanted to use a, a little more inappropriate title for my book, but we I got talked <laughs> out of it and we came up with unfunk. Um, <laughs> So unfunk with a C and it is, there's a link to it on my website, which is doc-cause.com, doc zcom It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Ingram. So basically any, any even like private bookstore can order it for you. Um, so you can get it anywhere pretty much.
0: Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, It was really just super enlightening. I loved our conversation. I love all the information. So thank you. And um, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you again next week.
1: Hey, bye. Bye.
2: My name is Jennifer, and I'm a FitChicks certified personal trainer and group fitness instructor, certified holistic nutritionist with the Edison Institute, and founder of Jenny Rose Fit. I work exclusively with women where I provide one-on-one custom online coaching services to help them achieve total health in mind, body, and soul. Most recently, I now offer virtual training classes through my monthly membership portal. Since launching my online business at the height of the global pandemic, I have coached over 30 women one-on-one who have undergone some amazing physical and mental transformations. I've also held outdoor booty camp classes in the summer and transitioned those classes online to a virtual training space. I'm already in the process of expanding my virtual training platform and plan to launch these new additions by the second quarter of this year. Three things that blow my mind that I have experienced during the program and since I've graduated is number 1. Burnout is real. Be sure to prioritize that me time and let go of the things that no longer serve you. More isn't always better. Number 2. Always stay on top of the latest health trends and studies. This industry is always changing, so be open to learning and continuing to hone your craft. Number 3. Health and fitness is not a one-size-fits-all. Identify your core values, but keep in mind it may not always be in alignment with your clients. Be flexible, but do not compromise your personal beliefs. It's okay to say no if something doesn't feel right. The biggest piece of advice I would give to anyone looking to get started and build their own fitness and nutrition business is is don't be afraid to ask for help and do not compare. We all start somewhere. You can check me out on my Instagram at Jenny jennyrosefit, that's J-E-N-N-I-I-R-O-S-E-F-I-T, or on my website at www.jennyrosefit.com.
0: Now, if you are ready to get certified today and build the fitness and nutrition business of your dreams, we invite you to join our Fit chicks Academy upcoming certifications for our fitness and nutrition expert program, as well as our holistic nutrition weight loss coaching certifications, so we can help you build a successful business using our proven formula that has helped hundreds of our graduates do the same. Learn more at www.fitchicksacademy.com.